welcome to dollars and cents with a couple of gents making money moves with the finest of gents come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present how to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best hello and welcome to another episode of dollars and cents with a couple of gents I am Stephen Ellis and I'm Robert Wolfson yes he is Robert Wolfson ladies and gentlemen <laughs> the one and only the one and only round of applause and of course well, you're probably not the one and only I guess I'm sure no, there's, there's another Robert Wolfson. There is actually lots of Robert Wolfsons, and I had this experience. I was checking into a hotel. I believe it was a Hilton, and uh, the lady was asking for my uh, my Hilton membership ID number, and yeah. I didn't know it. Which is what? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, I should say it, then I can rack up the points I guess from everyone true, else. Yeah. But she was looking, searching. She, I can just search by your name. So, and we were in this when we were in Scotland. We had her our uh, podcast about the conferences back in the fall last year. And uh, she searched up my name, and there was about 10 different Robert Wolfsons. Really? To my surprise. Were there any Robert Wolf fathers? <laughs> Boo. Uh, boo. Very bad. That's a bad dad joke. Is that even considered a dad joke no, or just a I bad th- joke? I think it's just bad all around. Just a bad joke. Any Robert Wolf daughters? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little better, hey? That slightly, was better. That slightly was slightly better. better. Yeah. It, if you can't tell, this is not a comedy podcast. So let's jump into it here. I think we have a rather interesting topic, and it may not apply to as many people, but hey, you never know. We're going to talk about emigrating from Canada and some tax planning considerations when you're on the move. You're right, Steve. And you're a res- so you're a resident of Canada, and you're considering leaving the Great White North permanently, eh? Who says A? Like, we don't actually say A, but... I think we do. I had to throw it in because... Uh, I think we say A without realizing we say A. Maybe. It must be because everyone says that about Canadians. Yeah. Anyway, so whether you're moving for... Whether you're just going to a warmer location for retirement or you're transitioning to another country for work, there's actually lots of items that you need to consider. There really are, Rob. When we started researching this topic, we realized how many things there actually were. But before we get into them, I think it's worth pointing out that it is a very Canadian thing to think about moving to a warmer location. That's right. It is. Very few people talk about retiring you know, in a colder climate. I'm going to move up to the North Pole to retire. Not a thing. Not Definitely not a Unless thing. Unless you're Santa Claus. I think even Santa Claus would probably want to retire probably. somewhere warmer. <laughs> yeah. Same. Just to get away from the elves. And Santa Claus does exist, kids, just in case there's any of you out there listening. So before we get into these points, Rob, we should point out we're not tax professionals. So before you make the move, you should definitely determine if there are any tax implications for you upon your departure. And the best way to do that is to consult a a tax professional. If you don't work with one currently, then certainly reach out to us and we can suggest an option for you. There also may be some legal requirements, so if that's the case, certainly seek out uh, legal advice as well from a professional. So enough with the disclaimer, Steve. It's time to just jump right into it to go through the different steps that you need to consider if you are going to be moving out of Canada. All right, so Rob, what is step one? Well, the first one, the first consideration is factual residency. So generally, your residency status in Canada determines your Canadian tax liability and your filing obligations naturally. So if you're factually a resident in Canada for tax purposes, you are subject to Canadian tax on your worldwide income. So before your physical departure, you should determine your current residential ties with Canada 
and if they can be severed to avoid remaining a factual resident for tax purposes. So Steve, even if you no longer physically live in Canada, you may continue to be viewed as a resident for tax purposes, namely because of your residential ties and the length of time, the intention, and the continuity with respect to staying in Canada or abroad. Right, so for example, you might remain a Canadian resident when you temporarily move for work, school, or an extended vacation. So when determining your factual residency, there are two categories of ties, significant and secondary, and we'll go through those actually here for you right now. So let's start with significant residential ties. Obviously, a home or homes in Canada, a spouse or common law partner in Canada, and dependents in Canada. Those are significant ties. Secondary residential ties include personal property in Canada, such as furniture, clothing, automobiles, recreational vehicles, social ties, so memberships in an organization, economic ties, so employment with a Canadian employer, active involvement in a Canadian business, Canadian bank accounts, retirement savings plans, credit cards, securities accounts, uh, landed immigrant status or appropriate work permits that still persist in Canada, hospitalization and medical insurance coverage, a driver's license, vehicle that's registered, a seasonal dwelling in, in Canada or a leased dwelling property, Canadian passport, and finally memberships in Canadian unions or professional organizations. So those, I know that's a lot, but those are some secondary residential ties. So why are those important? Well, if any of these significant residential ties have not been severed following your departure, the Canada Revenue Agency or CRA may still consider you a factual resident of Canada. Even if these ties have been severed, but several secondary residential ties remain, you may still be considered a Canadian tax resident as well. So one thing to note, Steve, is that the CRA will look at the secondary residential ties collectively to evaluate their significance. So it would be unlikely for a single secondary residential tie on its own to determine that you're a factual resident of Canada. Also, Rob, the date in which you become a non-resident for tax purposes depends on your particular facts and circumstances. So again, the CRA will generally consider this date to be when you sever all residential ties with Canada, which will also coincide with the latest of the dates on which you leave Canada, uh, your partner or dependents leave Canada, or you become a resident of the country in which you are immigrating to. And also the CRA does have forms to help you with all of this. So you may consider completing and filing the CRA form NR73, which is a determination of residency status for leaving Canada, which basically requests their position on your residency status if you plan to leave or have left Canada. And of course, as mentioned earlier, Steve, disclaimer, you should consult your tax and legal advisors as a first step when you plan to move to another country, and they will help you determine whether it is necessary to file this form or not. And one thing to consider also, Steve, is Especially if uh, someone is leaving for work, they may spend time in that country just to check out the location, maybe start working already, you know, check out for real estate homes, etc. So they're going to spend a sig significant amount of time outside of Canada. So there is what they call a residency tiebreaker rule, which is essentially rules that have tested to determine which country is your true country of residence for tax purposes, effectively breaking the tie on which jurisdiction subjects you to taxation. Good point, Rob. I think we'd encourage you, if that's the case, to, again, consult your legal and tax professionals just to determine if that applies to you. 
Okay, Rob, so let's move on to step two, which is income tax considerations when you depart. So once you've established your ceasing or have ceased to be a Canadian resident, you've got to consider tax implications and how to address your tax liability and filing obligations upon departure. You're right, Steve. This is a big one because there is a deemed disposition upon departure. On the day you emigrate and cease to be a resident of Canada, you are deemed to have disposed, meaning sold, of your worldwide assets at their fair market value and deemed to have reacquired the assets for the same fair market value, with certain exceptions. Now, if these assets have an accrued capital gain because the fair market value of the assets is greater than what you paid for, or what we call the adjusted cost base, this may create a tax liability on the capital gain, and this is known as a departure tax. Now, this means you have a tax liability to pay even though you have not actually sold anything, which may create a liquidity issue. Now, on the other hand, if the deemed disposition creates a net capital loss because the fair market value of the assets is lower than their adjusted cost base, or what you paid for them, you may consider using this loss to offset gains in the three preceding taxation years if you had realized any. Now, if not, that net capital loss may be carried forward indefinitely and used to offset future capital gains on dispositions of property taxable in Canada, such as Canadian real estate. Now, Steve, that's similar to when we buy and sell equities or stocks as well. If you have a capital gain, you have to pay it. And if you have a capital loss, you can use it to go back in any three previous years or it can carry forward indefinitely. So that is similar. Just the difference in this is you're not actually physically selling. It's just deemed to be sold. Right. And that's really, you mentioned a liquidity issue. And that's where the liquidity issue comes because you haven't actually physically sold anything and you have to pay tax. You have to find that money to pay the tax somehow. Whereas in our situation, you've sold something and then obviously that creates some liquidity to be able to take care of the tax liability. So certainly something to consider when you are moving that there will be potentially tax liability and potentially a liquidity issue along with that. So Rob, just to break it down, assets that would be subject to a deemed disposition would be assets that are owned personally and are held in non-registered accounts shares of a private corporation, real estate outside of Canada, and an interest in a partnership. Assets that are owned personally that are potentially excluded from the deemed disposition upon emigration consist of real estate in Canada, property used in a business carried on in Canada, rights in registered plans, employee stock options, and certain interests in a life insurance policy. Rob, I mentioned registered plans being excluded from the deemed disposition rules. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about what happens to the registered plans upon immigration because they don't necessarily carry on as they would uh, if you were still residing in Canada. Yeah, happy to, Steve. And of course, the three most common registered accounts would be your RSP if you're over the age of 71, or even younger, I shouldn't say over the age of 71, but your RIF account, uh, your tax-free savings account. There's no obligation to close them, so you definitely can maintain them. Therefore, they will continue to grow tax-deferred until you make withdrawals. You are still allowed to make a contribution to the RSP, but only in the year of your emigration. You are, of course, no longer allowed to contribute to a RIF, which is standard anyways, but you're also no longer allowed to contribute to a tax-free savings account. One thing to note, however, Steve, is that if you do have to make a withdrawal from your RSP or your RIF, you are subject to a 25% non-resident withholding tax. So Rob, it is worth noting, and we're not going to talk about it because we're certainly, again, not the tax and legal professionals here, but there are some rules around private corporations 
both shares and the operational side of, of the business, uh, as well as trusts uh, that if you have any questions on, uh, we certainly encourage you to speak with your tax and legal professionals. So Rob, we can't talk about income tax considerations without actually talking about filing your income tax. And there are some compliance requirements for the year in which you depart Canada. So as it pertains to your personal income tax return and tax forms to file, when you immigrate from Canada, the first tax compliance, that's difficult to say, I just realized, <laughs> tax compliance requirement to complete will be to prepare and file your personal income tax return for the year of departure. Since it may generally be more complex than your average personal income tax return, again, we've said this a few times, it's important to consult your tax advisor well in advance of departing Canada. Well, we hadn't mentioned consulting them well in advance of departing Canada, but we've talked about consulting them. So there's another added little bit. Yeah, and typically, especially in corporations, if you're moving for the company, they typically have advisors within the company that you can speak to. Rob, glad you brought that up. That's a great point, actually. It's a good resource there that generally, if you're, again, relocating for work purposes, certainly consult your own HR department and try and find that individual that might be able to help. So to get back to filing, generally for a Canadian resident, the deadline falls on April 30th or the next business day if the, the uh, deadline falls on a weekend or a holiday. That still applies, so that date still applies to file. You don't get any leeway to file late, but you're also not expected to file early. So Rob, as much as you may not have to file right away, you do have to obviously become a tax resident in the new location. So you know, if you leave partway through the year, you should consult a tax advisor in the other jurisdiction so that you can ensure that you're well prepared to meet the tax filing and payment requirements of your new country of residence. And in addition, Steve, to your personal income tax return, you may also be required to complete the form T1243, which is the deemed disposition of property by an immigrant of Canada which basically discloses the properties that may be subject to deemed disposition rules that we talked about earlier and to help you calculate the capital gain or capital loss that results from those dispositions on each subject asset. So Rob, I'm sure our listeners are wondering now, you know, I'm leaving, I've got this tax liability, is there anything I can do? So maybe you can talk a little bit about managing your tax liability on departure. That's a good point, Steve, because there are considerations for managing your tax liability when you leave. So instead of paying your departure tax liability generated on the deemed disposition upon your immigration, you may defer payment of the tax by posting security with the CRA and filing a tax selection form, which is their form T1244. Again, I'm sure your accountant or tax professional will know this, which is the election to defer the payment of tax on income related to the deemed disposition of property. Now, this election is filed with your personal tax return regardless of the amount of departure tax owing, and it stops any interest or penalties from accruing on the unpaid tax. Now, there is an exception. Generally, no security is required by an individual for the first $100,000 of capital gains generated on the deemed disposition of property on emigration. So, Rob, there are some examples of acceptable security that include letters of credit or guarantee from your financial institution, uh, a lien in favor of the government on assets subject to the deemed disposition. However, this process may be lengthy. You may need to incur certain costs to post the security, namely fees to obtain a financial institution letter of credit or professional fees to draft the appropriate documents 
to establish the lien with the CRA. Going to say this again, Rob, and sounding like a broken record, but just consult your tax advisor with any questions that you may have as it pertains to this type of situation. Now, of course, as always, Steve, there's definitely planning considerations that you can take to help reduce your immigration or your departure taxes. I'm not going to get into them specifically again. Disclaimer, talk to your tax professional, but taking a look at your principal residence, there might be ways to actually maintain your residence and reduce your capital gains. Maybe you have carry for losses that you can use to offset from previous tax years. If your spouse or your partner is going with you, there might be income splitting that you can do with them as well. So definitely talk to your tax professional if there's any ways to help mitigate or offset offset any uh, planning considerations to reduce those taxes. Right, so it's a lot of things we really do anyway. You mentioned looking for losses to offset gains, income splitting, things like that. So obviously when you're moving, it's a significant tax event. So it just brings those things maybe a little bit more into the spotlight. The tax obligation may be greater than it would be on a regular ongoing basis. So you've really got to, you know, dig in and look for those opportunities to offset some of that tax. And Rob, I think we should mention to the listeners that they should consult their tax professional. Haven't we done that yet? I I don't know that we've, have we mentioned that? I mean, it's an important point. You think we would have mentioned it. I'd have to listen back through the podcast to see. Right. Anyway, if we haven't mentioned it already. Consult your individual professional advisors, your tax consultant, your legal advisors. Right. So again, we've hopefully touched on enough here to give you some food for thought, so to speak. Just if there's anything that's tweaked your interest, if this is something that you're going through currently or may experience going forward, the next step is to take this information to your tax professionals legal professionals and and just get a, a proper opinion that really does apply to your own situation so just a quick conclusion steve as you've already determined it's a very significant and involved process so just be prepared the cra has lots of forms as well that you may need to include with your individual tax return everyone's situation everyone's situation is unique and not all general tax planning opportunities may benefit every person speak to your own advisors Right, so Rob, with that, we want to talk a little bit about football. We're trying to delay it as long as possible. Because for many of you, you know this already, I'm a New York Giants fan. And I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And my team lost 40 to nothing to the Dallas Cowboys. And my team lost 24 to 3 to the Cleveland Browns, both division rival games. Yeah, and as a Giants fan, losing to the Cowboys is way, way more painful than losing to anybody else. And not a lot. You, you got pounded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shut out. Uh, gave up a lot of points. Very, very disappointing. And it was in so New York, too. It can only get better. Well, it can't get any worse. Let's be honest. Let's hope. Let's hope. And, and the Bengals, too. Joe Burrow was injured in the preseason. Excuses. And he didn't play, and it was cold, Excuses. blah, blah, blah. Excuses. They're professionals. It's Come cold on, and man. rainy. Yeah, cold and rainy. Yeah. Suck it up, guys. But week two, <laughs> week two onwards and upwards. It right. can't get any worse for both right. of our teams. We'll check back in next time, and we'll see if we're, if we're still on a downward spiral here or if uh, we manage to get things turned around. So anyway, Rob, with that, as always, I'm Stephen Ellis. And I'm Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.